Steven, how are you? Good, how are you? So amazed to talk to you. Huge fan. Podcast is called Red River Podcast. I guess we're going to talk about Psycho Gorman and just how it was one of the most anticipated movies for me personally. I remember <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I remember hearing about it uh, last year. And my relationship with you started, uh, I went to a screening of Father's Day in New York City. So ever since then, I've just been a fan and I followed your work. Oh, wow. Awesome. So got a chance to watch this movie this year and uh it I, I loved it i absolutely loved it and and what i realized is is um you know 10 years ago 20 years ago people were still so hung up on the 80s and you know i'm i'm of that age so i grew up in that age as well but i i like what you're doing especially for something like psycho gorman where i feel like we're kind of moving a little bit of that that influence and and i feel like a lot of the stuff in the 90s that i loved is kind of the stuff that you love as well i mean am i wrong on that Oh, no, you're definitely right on that. Like, I made a conscious decision with this movie to have it feel more like a 90s, like, kids' adventure film. Like, the 80s influences are still there. Absolutely. Uh, but, like, just in terms of, like, visually, like, the look of the movie, I wanted it to have more of a cinematic look in the way that movies in the 90s had. Like, I remember as a kid, I was thinking that 90s movies looked so polished. Um compared to 80s films. So it was part of the reason why we shot it in anamorphic. Uh, I mean, I know people automatically will default to like John Carpenter for that look. Sure. But really to me, it just, I felt like everything in the 90s, like every big movie would go that route uh, and be shot anamorphic. And it just gave it such a cinematic quality that I thought it, it fit the film really well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's like, I feel like the movie is very much like an early 90s movie that still has some of the a kind of like runoff from the eighties uh, in it. Like in the way that something like, like Ninja Turtles or Ninja Turtles two or like Giver uh, has yes. that vibe. Where it's like Gu- right on the cusp of the nineties, but still feels like the eighties in a lot of ways. So good call on Giver. Cause I wrote that down. Um, so recently I had on one of my favorite nineties direct to video dudes, uh, Brian Usna. Uh, and oh, nice. oh, he's like, you know, he's like a god to me for sure. Um, and 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 uh, when I saw Psycho Goreman, I just like as far as like the the actual um, you know uh, the the the, uh, the the costume, it was very like I thought it was like Guyver meets like Wishmaster. You know, so like I love that '90s era like direct to video stuff. Um, and 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 it's funny that that you say that that's what you went for because in the very beginning, like the kids are playing and they're not like on a computer, they're not on their phone. Um, they're outside playing like a physical game and and uh from there like the once a solo like the guitar solo rips in i'm like this is like so cool and i knew right away that it was going to be something like uh just something different i feel like this movie might be like your most accessible could i say that (laughs) yeah it's it's weird because it's like somehow my most accessible and my most polarizing at the same time 
uh, which I, it's crazy to me that some as mild mannered, mild mannered a person as I am, that I have the potential to make a movie that would infuriate a certain group of people as much as this movie has. But I mean, I hope it just means that this movie is, uh, you know, it'll like have some legs because it's prompting a discussion and, and not just kind of like, you know, people like it and then they forget about it. Like, it seems like it's, it's like whipping people up into a frenzy, whether it's like loving it or hating it. Oh, so really? What kind really of what kind of frenzy? Thought. Like, what, did I miss something? What kind of frenzy are we talking about? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of people are bumping on certain moments in the film, uh-huh. uh, specifically a moment relating to a uh, cross being broken. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. But uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think just maybe the direction of the movie and the kind of like lack of morals that the movie maybe presents. Absolutely. Uh, That's seems, the best people part. People seem to bump on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah for, well, for people yeah, like us. Exactly. It, yeah. For people, like, cause I know where it's coming from. Um, and, 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 you know, like it's, it's like this movie that's kind of like absurd. It's like, it's like, it's just ridiculous. Like when you really, it's not. There's nothing serious about it, kind of. Um, yeah. So I love. Like there's that. no. There's nothing to take away from it that's yeah super serious. So anybody who gets offended or put off by anything happening in it, it's like, you know, maybe like chill out a little bit because, like, maybe you're throwing a little too much energy at at your media that you're consuming. Because I feel like it's overall like a pretty inoffensive low impact movie that just yeah has a lot of absurdity but i feel like it's like on the level of like a classic simpsons episode is what i was hoping for in terms of just the insanity on display so it's yeah it's the dynamic of the 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 siblings you know like um luke uh is is like so kind of like innocent and like mimi is just like a madman like i love that because it's like so kids in movies for the most part especially movies that tend to go towards horror sometimes they you know like i I, you know sometimes they never really come off great i always think of halloween five with like the kid who stutters and i'm like oh my god enough with this kid uh but these two kids were like they were so great you know and and their dynamic with, with with psycho goreman is just like all three of them have these really over-the-top personalities and they exist in this world that is just so fucking beyond anything that anyone could comprehend and i love that dynamic yeah i mean i went into it with the intention of having kid characters that were not your stock like innocence you know like i've been calling it the harry potter syndrome where kids in movies are just like wide-eyed like watching the plot kind of like happen around them and it just seems so boring to me to do something like that. So I figured, like, for this story to have energy and personality, like, we needed characters, kid characters that could stand up to an evil space warlord man. Like, like right? Mimi needed to be somebody that could go toe-to-toe with PG. And I wanted to believe that. Whether, like, for better or for worse. So I didn't want her to also be, like, this this, like, angelic character that had a strong personality but could do no wrong. Like I wanted her to be abrasive because I thought that was more interesting. Like I wanted a character that maybe you didn't always like, but you know, still like enjoyed and appreciated despite uh, their flaws. 
Absolutely, and and the one in particular, like in the very beginning scene where, um, you know, they're they're digging that hole, and then they go to, you know, they go home, and uh, Luke is like, I think we woke Grandma up, and I love that Mimi is like, I told you, you know, they're doing the Morse code, and uh, she's like, I told you, Grandma's in hell, and it's just something that subtle, but it it goes, like you already know in the very beginning that Mimi is just like no joke, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I wanted to have like kind of throw away lines like that to build the universe and this idea that uh, Mimi exists in her own weird world. And I think that's more true to being a kid. Like my memories of being a kid are definitely like just living in my own weird microcosm devoid of any consequence. And uh, I wanted to show kids that we're, we're kind of in that same mind frame and that weren't just like the, pure-hearted innocence that we typically get in genre films. Like, I wanted them to be little maniacs that lived in their own little maniac world playing their nonsense dodgeball games, because that just seems more true to life to me. Yeah, and and what was the... Am I wrong to think that there was kind of like a Biocop um, uh, cameo in the movie? Oh, yeah, that's Biocop. Like, in the credits, he's credited as Biocop. I mean, I think on the IMDb, he's called Zombie Cop, Cause that's what we had in the script. Uh, Cause I was, I didn't want to like put it out there right away. I wanted people to discover it and be like, wait a second, is Biocop in this movie? And it's, yeah, it's like a low key Biocop origin story. Oh, it's, uh, it's so good. It's, it's just like for, 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 for fans of your work. Um, you know, it's like those little things that, that definitely, you know, like those nuggets are for us for sure. Well, it's, yeah, I'm trying to build up the uh, Steve Kostansky cinematic universe a little bit. I want all these things to, like, cross over with one another and tie into each other in weird, nonsense ways. And so that's, that's step one for me. And another thing, there's there's two things, actually. Um, I, anytime I see PG on any movie that's supposed to, you know, because I'm, like, 43, so I'm, like, <laughs> like sometimes, like, a horror movie comes out and it's PG-13, like, to me, I, like, I, I automatically, I'm, like, oh, like, yesterday I watched Coming to America 2, and I'm, like, oh, PG-13, I'm, like, damn it, so I love that the movie is so not PG, but, like, that was, like, what you chose, was that, like, a purpose thing? Oh, yeah, like, when I was coming up with the idea uh, I mean, it was like my initial core concept was like a mashing of Rawhead Rex and E.T. together. Oh, and so wow. I wanted I wanted a, a title like kind of in that vein. And so I was, you know, I, I was thinking like, what's like an abbreviation that hasn't been used as catchy and will stay in people's minds? And yeah, I, I just stumbled upon like, well, why not PG? Like the rating parental guidance. So good. Because... It's such an easy like thing to piggyback. Like I feel like it, it. It almost feels like a like Roger Corman or like Lloyd Kaufman move to oh. to take something like that and make it the title of your movie because now it's forever going to be associated with that. So yeah, it, it, once I realized, that, I was like, oh my god, why has nobody done this before? I got to jump on this. Well, well so, done. Yeah, but well, well done. Yeah, and uh, Thank an- you. another thing that I love just like uh, I haven't heard a rap song like this. Like I think of maniac cop too. Cause at the end of maniac cop too, there was, oh, of course. there was a maniac cop. Right. So I'm like yep. listening at the end and, and PG has his own rap. Yeah. Well, that was a must. Like I had to have that because it's such a staple of that era of movie. 
And uh, I mean, like Waxwork 2 has a great one oh, at the wow. end of it. Obviously, Ninja Rap in uh, Ninja Turtles 2 and Turtle Power in the first Ninja Turtles is a great song, too. Like, there's just so many great songs. And I, I'm a like strong advocate of like ending on a high note with your movie. Like I want, you know, back when I was imagining this playing in theaters and people watching it in a theater, like I want people like walking out of the theater to this song and yes. just being on the high of like yes. this crazy rap song. This oh. seems so funny to me. Yeah. So that's why yeah, I had a hard commit to it. And Blitz Berlin, the composers knocked it out of the park, like with the score across the board, but especially with that rap song. It's honestly like one of my favorite things about the movie. It's just the fact that that song exists. Yeah, so for a guy like you, like seriously, like I, I just admire your filmmaking because it's it's like aside from your your effects work on even random movies like Girl House, which I loved, um, you know, like I I feel like you are making movies specifically for people like me, and I I just can't thank you enough. Like I, as soon as I see an Astron Six or Steve Kostansky, you know, anywhere attached to the film, um, I, I just like watch it, and it's just man, it's I I can't say enough about your filmmaking. I think the void. Oh, thank you very much. I think the void is one of the greatest horror movies of the last ten years, fifteen maybe. Like it's just. So oh, thank you. Unbelievable movie. Uh, you made Leprechaun, which I don't even like the series, and I thought that was the best one. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you're preaching to the choir on that one. Yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. I I I will say I'm a fan of Leprechaun Three. I have fond memories of watching that as a kid, renting it. Uh, from Video Plus on VHS. Is that the casino? Um, so my whole my whole intent that's the Vegas one, and oh, that's uh, that, it, yeah. my whole intention my whole intention with it was like just at the bare minimum like make a movie that feels like that time you watched Leprechaun Three. So I just wanted to I threw everything I had at it to try and make the like the perfect like straight to video in the 90s leprechaun movie i just wanted to emulate that experience so it's, yeah i'm glad that you uh, got something out of it for sure it's like that's that's my air like i love that like i said like i had brian use now on and i'm like yo you made the dentist you made return of the living dead three <laughs> i'm like i felt like chris farley i'm just like yo i'm like if you made you know like it was such a he talked for like two hours and i fucking loved it so cool um, oh he's awesome yeah man he just like I, there was something about those effects, you know, and and I feel like you're you're keeping that vibe alive. I know that you're uh, a, a child, like a, you're a video store guy. I know I know how how influential Freddy's Dead was, like the poster, like every interview. I know you. Oh yeah. I know you're uh, a, a, a Beekler fan, so every, everything that you do, man. Um, I guess unfortunately, that looks like all the time I have. I, I don't really want to piss Tatum off. Um, but <laughs> thank you. We're, I'm going to put this at the end, like we're going to talk about your movies and then I'll put this little piece at the end of our episode. So, okay, cool. Thank you so much, man. I, I look forward to everything else that you do and I will spread the word about PG and people will love it. Oh, thanks man. I appreciate it. It was nice talking to you. And, uh, yeah, if you want to do this again, uh, in a longer form down the road sometime, uh, be all for us.
Holy moly. What's up, Hello. Steve? Hello. Hey, guys. What's happening? Oh, not a lot. <laughs> oh, you know, just uh, living our best pandemic life on Long Island somewhere. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just realized after talking to you, first of all, hey, Steve Kostansky, what's going on? How are you? Welcome to Red River. Welcome to Red River Podcast, where we talk music, movies, and pop culture. Um, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for... It, it really yeah. started with that that junket you, you were doing, right? You were doing like a press thing, and we did those 15 minutes. Do you remember that? In retrospect, they probably should have given everybody more time. The like 15-minute thing is not enough to really have a combo, so... Well, I just figured like, I'm like, okay, like, how am I going to cram everything that I want to talk to him about? But we were just lucky to have those 15 minutes. And then the whole time I was talking to the other guys, I was like, can you imagine the amount of questions that he's answered? Like, like by the time he gets to us, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've answered the same, like five or six things like a thousand times now. So, yeah. It, it, and like, when you do something like that, like, is it like, are there like, like actual fans like we are or is it just like anyone like that does press oh it's the whole range like there's people that are fans and are super nice and then there's people that are like clearly they got tasked with doing this yeah yeah uh, like have no clue uh yeah. who I am or what i've done and didn't really do their research or, or just like i didn't see the movie but i watched the trailer it looks uh looks real wacky like where do you <laughs> It's like all right yeah okay yeah thanks that's that's exactly i mean but that's that part for the course i would imagine anytime you make something like that so but i i want to just intro you real quick because you you are like someone who we feel like really pushes the culture forward you're like a greg nicotero and a tom savini you know for like for like yeah man you you like as soon as I see your name attached to it or the Astron six guys attached to it, I feel like no matter what, that's, that's a stamp that, that we just have to watch. We have to see what, what this is all about because you make stuff. I mean, granted PG, what we're talking about mostly today uh, is so accessible that maybe it goes beyond that, but everything that you've done before that, everything that you've put your hands on um, is just, it's done with so much fucking love that you we we celebrate your work and and the stamp that you give to everything so thank you oh thank you for that i mean yeah i like myself and then everybody at astron six as well we just we love uh our craft we love making movies and telling stories uh and yeah i mean my goal is just to throw everything i have at every project i do uh because i i have the attitude of like if you're not putting everything you have into your art, then you're not really making art. So yeah, yeah, it's all about giving, giving everything you got and, and doing 110% all the time. So yeah, like as, as fans, like we all like, you know, we're coming from like a musician, like Brian used to play in a band. I still play in a band. Um, we, we absorb our like inspirations, like everyone does. And then from there, it's like how you filter it out basically. You know, so like you, we, we take in all this stuff and, and, and just w- when I watch all the stuff that you do, it, it's I, like, it's your own thing. But I, I, I feel like, you know, like sometimes I'll be like, oh man, that's such a hen and lotter thing, you know, like, or something like that, where it's like these, these inspirations just come through, but it's like, man, it's, 
you you know uh, uh you know when it's like a Kostansky or like Astron Six thing. But let's just talk about PG real quick, Psycho Gorman, because I feel like the promotion for this more than anything that I've ever noticed. I feel like the movie is going very well for you guys. Am I crazy? Uh, well, I think we're definitely throwing everything we have at pushing this movie on people in a way that I don't think really happens with movies anymore. And that was our intention from the beginning was to make a movie that uh, like the marketing and all the stuff orbiting around the movie was as much a part of the story as the movie itself. And so, yeah, we went in with a conscious plan of being like, we're going to push to have toys and like, like a knockoff happy meal type thing. And like all this stuff that used to be around movies and, used to just like breathe life into stuff in a way that you don't really get right now um, as a way of just like taking fans back to a a more idyllic era of uh, movie watching in my opinion because I I don't know about you guys but I used to love that like you wouldn't just go see the movie at the theater or rent it on home video it's like you go to McDonald's and get the collector's glasses and then go buy the action figures and read the comics and see an ad for the video game it's like it became an all-consuming thing and so as obnoxious as it is at times we like wanted to do that with pg and just be like we're just gonna hammer people with this thing uh yeah because that's really like such a key component to the life cycle of a movie into a movie's personality to me so we want yeah. to have that especially something that i know takes a while you know like you you know, bands will make a record that might take a couple of months to make. I, I know that you've been working on PG for so long and you're right. Like the cycle of that, like when we were kids, we would go to McDonald's and they would have like, you know, the happy meal and all that other stuff. And then it's like, Oh shit, look, there's a star Wars, like, you know, Atari game. And then from there, it's just this thing. It's like this like snowball that keeps going until like it's ingrained. And, and you got to think like if a movie like star Wars came out today, it would be out on HBO max. And maybe two weeks later, people would forget about it or they're like trying to do that stuff but it's so big uh that like you can't escape the life cycle of these giant movies which are like like they happen very quickly and then they disappear and unfortunately a lot of times the discussion is about what's wrong with the giant movie not like hey we love it we want more of it it's more like what was up with rise of skywalker i don't want to buy toys for that like Uh i mean (laughs) <laughs> I, I feel like the, the movies themselves aren't filled with the kind of passion that they used to be to justify that yeah. kind of uh, marketing to go around it. So can, can I ask you? So you yeah, because I, I, I'm one of those guys like I loved The Force Awakens and I really liked The Last Jedi and I thought right. <laughs> <laughs> Rise of Skywalker was good. Um, do you not feel that way or, or like not so I much? I mean, I liked maybe like the first half of Force Awakens and I thought it kind of went off the rails. I yeah. liked The Last Jedi when I saw it in the theater and I saw it twice and both times I was like, yeah, it was great. Why are people complaining about this movie? Then I watched it at home and was on more than anything was just kind of like bored. Like, okay. which could have also been a symptom of watching it twice already. But I just wasn't feeling it on that third watch through. And then Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. It just felt like I was being bombarded with like six movies stacked on top of each other. Onto one, not yeah. In a fun way. So I was not into it in the theater. And then I watched it at home and I still wasn't into it. It felt very like slapped together to me. 
Do you think like do you, Star Wars trilogy? Do you think? Uh, yeah, believe me, I'm in the minority. I know. Do you think it's also like impossible to create something for people like us that grew up with the originals that would please us, or do you think it's possible? Uh, I mean, my attitude is like make make new things that have the spirit of the things that you used to like. Um, Cause I mean, that's really what star Wars was, was he wanted like George wanted to make flash Gordon and he couldn't. So he made some Wars instead. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I like want filmmakers to do things like that, where it's like a new thing. Okay. It's like clearly something that, you know, was like a star, like clearly comes from, the lineage of like a star Wars or a star Trek or something, but it's, it, I, I guess, I guess the closest example right now would maybe be the Orville, which I haven't watched where it's like clearly Seth MacFarlane, like loves TNG and wanted to yeah. make his own TNG show. So that's what he made. So yeah, I feel yeah. like I have more respect for that. Like, or maybe okay. not more, just that's the thing that excites me the most is when people are like, I'm making a thing. It's an original thing, but it's clearly like it. It's I grew up on all these things that have inspired this new thing. So gotcha. Yeah, I, um, it's it's tough, especially with like uh, Star Wars. Like the mythology of these things is so big at this point that uh, like how yeah. do you how do you manage that and how do you keep everyone satisfied? Like it's tough. And and, and the thing you with never now, will. you never will. And the thing with now is like it's so easy to just push your opinion online. So it's like people who would not spend a dime to see these fucking movies anyway now will, will still push their opinion. You know, like to me, it's like it's like like when we were talking about coming to America, too, I'm thinking like, all right, I watched it. They made a PG-13 movie, whatever. Um, I would have gone to see it first week had it been in the movie theaters. So, like, I always feel like weird. It's like, why get online and bash something that you probably wouldn't have supported in the first place? Well, I you know, feel like online criticism culture is such a like parasitic thing at this point oh, that it, oh, so, it so many people like use it purely as a mode of self-promotion and not actually like i love movies i want to talk about movies you know yeah so it's like no matter what you make somebody's going to come out with an opinion dumping on it just to like yeah. get clicks and likes so yeah i, I, I don't I, have a ton of respect for that world Right now, yeah, I, even though I've had a movie that's been successful, like critically and seems to have like an audience, I still am just generally annoyed by like so many people's like livelihood seem to ride on people like me busting their asses to make a thing just so they can be like, here is seven out of 10. Watch my video, you know, like, <laughs> like, is it like, what's the thing that's actually uh, it just makes you feel like, what am I making it for at a certain point? That you're making me at my darkest moments where I think <laughs> yeah. you, I, you're, I enjoy you're making it for us. Yeah. I love making movies. I, and like, I would be making them even if they had no audience at all, I'd just be making them for myself. So yeah, I'm, it's, it's not going to like stop my output of telling stories and making films, but it certainly is an irritating culture that we're in right now, as far as movie criticism goes. I embrace 
a lot of things because back then we didn't have access to so many things. We had like three channels and every now and then you would rent something on, on TV, you know, on, on at your video store. But even to like take something like, uh, you know, the criticism that like a show like Creep Show on Shudder was getting, it's like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking like, yo, we have a fucking show that's called Creep Show and we're getting two episodes every week. Like, what the fuck are you complaining about? Like, look at the content that we get. Like, if you don't like it, just be like, oh, I don't even say anything. Just wait for the next week and maybe you'll like those two, you know? So it's like, yeah, we're, we're it's like, we're, like, we're getting a fucking creep show TV show with Nick Otero fucking ha- having his hands on it. Like, it's like, this is like the golden age. What are you doing? You know? Yeah. People like to complain, you know? Well, yeah, that's all they want to do in a lot of cases. It, one example that pops into my head is like the fact that we had an evil three seasons of an evil dead show, which is like equivalent to how mm. many movies uh, like evil dead fours yeah. that fans have been clamoring for. And yeah, I mean, I certainly have some strong opinions about that show, but occasionally I like stop myself and go like, there's like a evil dead show with, Bruce Campbell that's like yes. continuation of the movies it's like I, I so and I think on that show and even though I have issues with it like I try to focus on the bright spots that are good because it's like I got a bunch of good evil dead moments out of that show yeah which is a thing I, that like 10 years ago would have been unheard of I would have been like yeah mm-hmm. never happened unheard of and season two the morgue episode where his head goes into the butt and he's getting a di- like, I mean, like there are some scenes in that show that are just unbelievably fucking funny. Like I, I, I don't know what, what the gripes are, you know, but obviously, you know, we, we could always pick on gripes, but like you said, it's just like you, we have this evil dead show. They gave us three seasons. It was amazing. And uh, it's a complete continuation. Like that's yeah. so unheard of. Yeah. I mean, I think that two parter about, his car getting possessed like that to me is a good enough evil dead four in my opinion like that yeah that is that that arc of story is satisfying enough that regardless of what i think about anything else in the show it's like i'm glad i watched those at least like i'm glad those exist and i'll probably revisit those episodes as like a movie in themselves um so there's a lot of humor in 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 pg um and even i I know you guys did a mock-up of of the house guest uh movie poster which i thought was fucking brilliant i don't know who came up with that but it's the house guest movie with uh phil hartman and uh sinbad uh now just out of curiosity because i'm sure no one ever asked you this like uh because i know that there's a lot of like humor and like uh, a lot of the stuff that you guys do as a team or by yourself like what are some of the comedies that inspired you growing up or that you remember the most growing up in uh, Winnipeg, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big Simpsons head. Like the first 10 seasons uh, have a real serious influence on my uh, kind of like comedy stylings. And uh, I think the first Ghostbusters is a big influence on me too. That to me is like the perfect comedy and just a perfect movie across the board. Like, it balances all the things you want in a fun movie per- so perfectly that it's like, it's a template for like, just how to make a great blockbuster. I don't know if anyone will ever be able to reach the heights of that movie ever again, because it's such a lightning in a bottle scenario. But uh, yeah, growing up, I watched it obsessively. And it's one of those movies that grows with you. Like as a kid, you latch onto certain things. And as a grown up, you find those moments of adult humor that, 
didn't land when you were a kid and it becomes yeah. funny in a whole new way uh revisiting it so yeah. i think ghostbusters is is one of the biggest it's, influences and i mean also like leslie nielsen comedies like yeah. like airplane naked gun that kind of stuff i watched a lot as a kid um so that kind of like slapstick humor uh, yeah it, really- it's like machine gun it's like machine gun humor where it's like yeah. like that's how the simpsons was and that's why i like like a show like scrubs certain shows like that where it's like by the time you get past a minute of the show there's already like 10 jokes yeah. and maybe you caught six of them yeah you know it's I, like i think like community at least the seasons of community that i watched and then parks and rec were about as close to simpsons as i got in terms yeah. of like the amount of laughter the show got out of me because yeah it does that thing of like stacking jokes so yeah like you yeah, have yeah. a punchline and then there's like a punchline on that punchline and there's I love yeah, that. a trickle down effect where it just keeps going which i think uh is something all the good comedies do they don't just end with one joke it's like it's like a russian nesting doll of jokes um going on to to I, I think i asked you like you know is it possible to make something old new with a new director so um uh, the dude who made a cell block in 99 like what was that craig zaller or, or whatever yeah. yeah so he he writes puppet master like the the last one the littlest reich and i think that is the best puppet master <laughs> out of all of them but then you do the same thing with leprechaun like like there's Leprechaun one, there's the Casino one, which is, I think is three. Who yeah. who um the the dude that did uh, BMX Bandits did, and then you come out and 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 you make something from that source material, but somehow you made it better than all the other entries. Like, can you just tell us how what how Leprechaun Returns came about? Uh, well, I was in the shop at Masters Effects, uh, working one day back in like what was 2017. And Zane, our shop uh, coordinator, came in and was like, oh, like, we might be doing effects for a new Leprechaun movie. I just got sent the script. And I was like, oh, that'll be fun. Like, I'll make some gags for a Leprechaun movie. That's absurd. Yeah, yeah. That night I get home and I have an email from, uh, from my manager being like, hey, do you want to direct a Leprechaun movie? And I was like, do I want to just make effects for a movie and, like, be at the mercy of some other director who may be doesn't know what to do with this kind of material or do I want to call the shots on this? And it just seemed like such an absurd opportunity uh, that seems so wrong on paper in so many ways that I was like, I kind of just want to do this as a challenge. Uh, yeah. It motivates a lot of my uh, filmmaking decisions because I like, I, I like no win situations and making the like eighth movie in a franchise that's like pretty low tier on the horror franchise list. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so true though you're right like you're it's like you're yeah the eighth movie you're like it's almost like when when we had Usna on brian Usna, and he's making the fourth silent night deadly night sequel he's like yeah oh, fuck it why not yeah exactly it, it also like there's the combination of anxiety of you know being crushed under the weight of a franchise but then also the fuck it attitude of like it's the eighth leprechaun movie yeah as long as I make it fun, that's all that really matters. So I tried to just embrace the spirit of making a movie almost like it was being made in the nineties, like Mm -hmm. making a straight to video era movie where thinking back on when I would watch those movies, it was like, does it move at a good pace? Are there tons of gags? Uh, Like how is is the creature cool? 
like those were kind of like those were the boxes that needed to be checked when I was watching stuff as a teenager to like keep me engaged and satisfied. So with Leprechaun, the first thing I did was I took that script and added like five or six more effects. I like set this mandate of like, I want the Leprechaun to get wrecked through the whole movie. I wanted to do a bit of a Terminator thing where he keeps getting like gored up a little bit more throughout the film just to show a progression. Cause I'm a big fan of like villains whose look evolves through the movie. Um, so yeah, I want his like eye to get impaled and then he swaps out his eye for um, like another guy's eye for uh, yeah, Ozzy's eye he takes. Um, he, get, he gets messed up in a bunch of ways. His head gets knocked off. Um, he peels his own face off. He rips his face off. Yeah, just a bunch of like random gags that I threw in, which I mean... Uh, the kills in that movie are, are so fantastic. good, right? Yeah, that, that's what takes it over the top for me. Like, uh, and and the, all the gore you you do, like your effects or in your in a film you're directing, there's it's fun. There's some, and a non horror fan wouldn't under, understand that. You know how how gore yeah. could be fun, but like there's just something about the way you do it. You know, well, like it's. I was going to say, and, and the two, two 90s things that I want to mention from that movie, Ed Begley Jr. just randomly mentioned, and Hammer Time. <laughs> like, the Hammer Time scene, uh, which I, I don't know if it was kind of like a slight homage to the Army of Darkness scene. Oh, yeah. You know, with the... Very with, much. Yeah. That was okay, cool, what cool. sold me on it was, like, the Sci-Fi Channel producer, when I was, like, interviewing with him, he was like, I want to have the kind of tone of, like, an Army of Darkness... Oh, okay. nailed it with that like like nailed silly it. and light but still like take the craft seriously and have lots of effects and set pieces and things and like you know like still deliver on the promise of like a fun and great cast oh yeah the like cast. great cast like the cast was like like you see like I, you know casting is so important man sometimes that shit just takes you out of it i always reference you know the the friday the 13th the remake where i i feel like that was the worst casting i've ever seen okay. i don't know why it had that guy from uh the transformers the first transformers movie playing like basically the same character you know? yeah yeah I it, it, it just I yeah I once again it just yeah I, that's my that's always my reference point but this was a great cast and and then you bring back Mark uh, Holton yep. uh, from the original which was so cool and then his death you know that's when I knew it was going to be like something special because his death when the leprechaun comes out of his body is just like you you see like once again it's just that stamp it's like okay this is steve's work this is like these are the ass strong guys uh bringing back that character was great too because because a lot of the times like you were saying when you get to the eighth part of it like as fans of franchises when we get any kind of continuity <laughs> when you give it yeah, like, when you give us that because it's very rare like you see like friday the 13th they're like yeah. that happened no it didn't you know it's just yeah. <laughs> yeah, like oh tommy doyle's coming back cool yeah. yeah, no, I I agree with that totally. I thought like, what is, <laughs> what are going to be things that actually make people want to watch this movie? And like, they told me in my first interview, they were like, oh yeah, um, Warwick won't be able to come back. Like it was a scheduling thing, I'm told. So he like wasn't available. So already I was like, okay, so we don't have the original guy. So yeah. if I was just a like mm. casual horror fan observing this thing, I would. That would already be a red flag. Red flag, yeah. And so I was like, well, we got to have something tying this in. And so they had written Ozzy into the script, but originally he just died and that was it. Um, 
and so i was the one that pushed for this almost like american werewolf style thing of like he's just yes ghost yes that haunts lila uh through Mm. the movie and it also was an excuse for just an added bit of like gross out stuff of him just being nasty and rotten and it just gave the movie like an extra layer like a b plot that it didn't have before and i think a lot of these movies lack that where once it gets down to like the central conceit of of the story of like leprechaun hunting teenagers and people running around getting murdered like there isn't much more to it than that so having ozzy come back gave it a little bit of substance uh in a small way um and how much did uh jennifer aniston charge you for her voice (laughs) i'm kidding Uh, i'm kidding (laughs) what i I love is that uh, i like early on talking about how we're going to pull this off uh, I asked, like, so are you going to, like, try to get Jennifer Aniston to do this? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're in touch with her agent right now. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure this is going to pan out. <laughs> Let me know how that works. Yeah, I'm sure she's going to back to you immediately to jump on. <laughs> uh, no, we got a, a voice actor uh, out of L.A. to do uh, her voice. I thought she did it. She did great. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was, it's funny because it's, like, it's a voiceover thing that's tough on two layers. You're doing an impression, but then you're also uh like having to time it out with Lyndon's mouth movements because she's like imitating like the leprechaun is imitating lila's mom yes and so it's like doing an impression but then also matching the mouth movements of another actor uh was like a double layer of difficulty so i thought she did a really fantastic job by still maintaining the impression and then also hitting the timing perfectly so yeah i I was really happy that i worked out um, we talked about a lot of, you know, the, the humorous works and what you, what you put into some of your stuff, but I'd love to get into the void, which me and Sam, it's, it's one of our favorite horror films. It's ever. one of the greatest horror movies of the last 15 years. Oh, wow. It, it's a, it's a classic. It's uh, when I describe it to people who don't know, I'm like, this think like Lovecraft, the thing, Hellraiser, some Cronenberg, maybe Assault a little full cheat behind. Yeah. And throw it in a blender. And it's just. But th- this is a movie that's that's very dark and devoid of any kind of humor. I mean, can you talk a little bit about? Well, I mean, a lot of that was Jeremy. Uh, like me and Jeremy Gillespie, like tag team that movie, and I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of that like serious darker stuff came from him. And I mean, not to say that I didn't also want to do that, but my instincts always lean in kind of like lighter stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. we both committed to wanting to make a serious movie like an actual scary horror movie, which seemed like a real challenge as opposed to just leaning into like the shtick that we had already been doing up to that point. Uh, Like it was an attempt to be taken seriously as filmmakers, um, which proved to be an immense challenge in itself because when you don't have uh, like humor to fall back on, it's like, then it just becomes like, you know, is it is it working or is it not working? Because if there's humor, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, if a gag or a sequence isn't like landing as being scary, then you can lean into it being funny and you have like a safety net almost. Whereas with this, it was like, if a scene's not working, it's just not working and that's it. So it was an attempt to like tell a real dark, dread-filled story and actually like make a movie with creatures that was unsettling and scary. So it was, yeah. uh, it was a real nightmare to make that film um the, the effects of like the practical effects look like it took forever like 
that I mean, these were some serious things like the uh, like the, the 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 strobe light sequence, like when you first see the monster um, and then the, the hell sequence, like the head, the head smasher that had no fucking. <laughs> Yo, oh, yeah, that shit, was, that, was, that shit was crazy. Yeah. Bloody whole face, man. He's great. Yes. <laughs> that was his to name. me like that. <laughs> character was like a good example of like jer's taste and my tastes kind of colliding in a way that worked really well because like i came up with that idea and like i feel like in anything else it would just be absurd but in this setting in this dark setting it's like very bothersome and so yeah yeah, i think like that is a good that to me is one of the examples of like a moment in that movie that really works and I'm really proud of because I oh my like God. it's a great so like show stopping uh, kind of gag to freak people out. It's the kind of thing that you talk about after you walk out of the movie theater. So, yeah, I'm real proud. The, the fact that you're going into this world and and it's someone who's been banging their head on this piece of what, what another fuck it was for so long that it just like went through their head and they're still going like that is nightmare fuel. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's some real, it's like a plane of hell. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, And, and another thing about that movie that's super heavy, which people, you know, when it comes to like, I don't have kids. Um, I know Langan, you, you have a son, um, yep. but the, 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 you we know, haven't watched it together yet. He's only 10. Yeah. <laughs> Next, wait a little bit. Yeah, when, when, I, when I was 10, I was watching psychos in love. So he's way due. Uh, so, but child loss is like such a like heavy subject that always like, um, I, I think it's just such a like dark thing, you know, and, and the void really like tackles that. You know, um, and uh, yeah, man, there's something about just like the the loss of a child that that kind of like makes people go fucking crazy, and and it's really focused on 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 a lot of the people in that movie. So um, I don't know if it, if if uh, like the show them recently I watched on uh, Amazon Prime, amazing, and it's the same thing. It's like they they focus on the loss of a child. Okay, yeah, I mean, we definitely wanted to lean into real, like real world like relatable dark themes to make the creature stuff and the like hell stuff a little bit more like tangible like you always have to root this stuff in something real for it to work it can't all be like cosmic and fantastical and so yeah like grounding it in like some real trauma uh always helps with these types of stories the, the triangle imagery I don't know, like, it's so effective, like, little things like that, especially, like, um, when, when Daniel, like, the sheriff, went out to his car and, like, everyone starts mm-hmm. popping up. Like, that stuff, yeah. like, worked. And you know what else worked? I don't know if it was intentional, but the lack of, like, music. Like, the score was there, but a lot of the movie was, like, silent. So, like, we it made just... a very conscious decision to not have, like, a Carpenter-esque score through the whole thing. And it's funny. I feel like there's some reviews that were, like, this movie doesn't work because it doesn't have like Carpenter synth in it. And it's like, that's not really what we were going for. Like uh, one of our big inspirations was the score to Sicario. Uh, oh my the, God. Yes. A very so, so... dread filled score. And, uh, oh. Yeah. It's like a lot of like just drones and like booming horns. And like, it's more about setting a tone and less about like, somebody going wild on the keyboard to like keep engaged like i find it's that kind of synthy 
carpenter knockoff stuff is I find it's like an easy band-aid that people can throw onto a scene to be like, this is exciting now because it's got fun music over it. And I don't think it really like adds to the tension or the fear of a scene. So making the score unsettling and not, not necessarily being like pleasant to your ears. Like I remember Jer arguing like with the sound designer that uh, like in the red room scene, the red chamber with all the patients uh yeah like cross-cutting with that and the uh with uh the whole like pregnancy sequence uh with the scalpel like going back and forth between those two sequences uh the sound designer didn't want to go too loud with that score and i just remember joe getting so worked up and being like no it's got to be like we got to like blow out people's speakers with this part because this is peak horrifying it should be like punching you in the face and I think that's that's an important thing for a horror score to do at the right moment is like it needs to amplify the terror and not not make it like a pleasant experience because it shouldn't you need to be the movie's taking the viewer should be uncomfortable also yeah Yeah, the movie's taking you to a bad place and the music should enhance that and not not be like melodic in a way yeah (laughs) i know like 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 a montage which we all love too but um it's funny that you mentioned sicario because that that brooding synth on those scenes in, in Sicario, which is one of the greatest movies ever made. Like in Sicario, the scene where they're at the checkpoint and yeah, uh the, oh right? Like that 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 I saw that in the theaters by myself. That'll make your butthole tight. Yeah, <laughs> like, that movie is a, a master class in tension, that's for sure. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. or enhances all of it. I think it uh, is a really good example of like a perfect marriage between uh, like kind of visual and and score kind of coming together to make a really unsettling experience. Um, so going back to Psycho Goreman, um, I know when we first spoke, um, you know, you said your inspiration or part of it uh, was, you know, part Rawhead, <laughs> Rawhead Rex and um, the Giver. So um, was Screaming Mad George like any type of influence on you growing up? Uh, I mean, in regards to movies like uh, Giver, for sure. I actually didn't yeah. see Society until very recently. So I can't necessarily drop on that one. And okay. I watching it recently, I'm like, the work in that is really, really impressive. Uh, if I was going to look towards any yeah. effects artist, it would be Steve Wang, for sure. Because just his work as like an effects artist and director, uh, I think is like both really top of the line. Um, like I love his his designs of like the Giver and Zonoid suits and Giver Two specifically. I think really fantastic. Uh, his action movie that he did Drive uh, with Mark Cascus oh. is fantastic. Um, yeah, I just I, I idolize that guy. I think he is one of the best, and he just has such a cool style, and his sensibilities are so cool. It's like the kind of stuff that I dream of making. Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of musical montages, one of my favorite, uh, ones ever, uh, you know, we always like, you know, just recently we were on the podcast group and we were bringing up our favorite, you know, like one crazy summer comes to mind. Like, cause I always watch Demi Moore playing the guitar and she can't play. So she doesn't move <laughs> her hands. Um, the, the, the scene in police Academy three, when they're like hooks and Callahan are singing, 
But then you get to certain things like uh, the one in, in Psycho Goreman where, where they do that song. So like, what do you remember about making that? And, and how did you, I mean, was that something that you just knew that you needed to throw in this movie? Uh, like having a montage in the movie? Yeah, it felt yeah. It was necessary. Um, it'd be crazy not to have one. Uh, I mean, the song, I have to give full credit to the composers at Blitz Berlin, uh, Martin and Dean and Tristan. Uh, like I asked Martin, I was like, I need a song for this. And like, we need it in advance of actually shooting the scene so they can have something to kind of play along to and sing along to. And they just like whipped that together super quick and uh, like came up with the lyrics and everything. And I feel like it's such a like anthem for the movie um, that, uh, yeah, I think it's a good example of of quality work that can come out of uh, having to be rushed in duress. Uh, Cause I think a lot of this movie was, you know, made at kind of a speedy pace. We didn't have a leisurely pace shooting or uh, like through pre-production or shooting or even post-production. So uh, yeah, I'm really happy with like the score and yeah, that, that montage sequence, especially I think is super fun. And uh, yeah. I think that's where the, the movie really like pick like that's that's like where the movie like turns and from there it's just like you, you get thrown into this world of just like insanity uh, but it's still kind of grounded in reality which which I like and uh, you know we also mentioned uh, the first time we spoke about the Maniac Cop 2 rap you know so like oh, yeah. the fact that the, the fact that Psycho Gorman now has his own rap at the end of the song you know we love well uh, keep an eye out this week because there may be a video for that rap dropping so yes oh boy, uh, so, oh boy. exclusive yeah, yeah. so you guys peeled for that because yeah the shutter releases this week and so i think to yes commemorate that we're gonna have a uh a little music video drop so yeah nice how how important yeah. is it for like a filmmaker such as yourself to have something like shutter now I feel like it's it's such a great community that they that they have over there and the movies that they that they put through. So uh, yeah, uh, May twentieth, yeah. Man comes. I out. mean, I, I love that there is a platform specifically for genre movies like this. Like they were so excited for PG, like they pursued this movie hard, which I really appreciate. Uh, especially like in this streaming era, I feel like some of these companies have like specific algorithms they're catering to and it's all about those algorithms and not really about uh you know like what movie fans want uh and with shutter it's like i feel like it's run by people that are genre fans and and are passionate about this kind of thing and want want to basically like create that video store shelf of horror movies uh yeah that's in, that's what it is in a digital yeah. format so yeah i love it Sam mentioned a minute ago Maniac Cop, which reminded me I wanted to ask you, and I'm sure you've been asked before. Would because uh, I was I was on YouTube, I was watching a lot of your shorts, um, and uh, originally at the end of Manborg, the Bio Cop. Is there any chance that would ever be a feature? Or did you ever think about doing that? I mean, people have certainly asked me to do a feature repeatedly for the yeah. past like nine or <laughs> years. Uh, it's so good. But with the example I give everyone is. SNL, like, they came up with so many great characters, but, like, how many of those made good movies, you know? Right. So, mm -hmm. the Biocop, it's, like, 
the shtick is funny for five minutes in the way that yeah like dropping him into pg for that the like three scenes that he's in like that that works in that moment but i don't really want to watch 90 minutes of that guy uh it's a bit of a force of nature and i think giving him much (laughs) like pathos and like backstory is just going to diminish that because it's absurd and I don't know if you can really have 90 minutes of that, like being beaten over the head with a guy wanting, wanting to shoot himself. Like, <laughs> oh. I, I love that that bubbly gore you do uh, on that feature and stuff. And I think you did the effects on Septic Man, I believe, also, too. Well, no. It, it? Uh, people have gone to IMDb and seen my name on the Septic Man uh, crew list. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually Jeff and Jason Derushi who did the effects on that uh they're known as the brothers core i believe is their uh label but uh jeff who i work with pretty regularly in effects i actually like i'm probably gonna see him tomorrow he's over at master's effects um but uh yeah he asked me one day just to come help out on some septic man stuff because it's a very low budget movie and uh right. so yeah i sculpted a little bit for him it was maybe a total of four hours of working on that movie <laughs> unfortunately people have now yeah seen my name on the credit list and they're like oh steve must have done all the effects on this when it's actually jeff and jason did all the effects on set i'm, sh- I'm sure that don't I'm trust sure. imdb kids yeah i'm, no, <laughs> I'm sure that'll get some eyes on on the movie i watched it i thought it was great i thought it was a really funny uh concept but um also like going through your instagram like you know because i i wanted to just see if i if i could pick something out uh you made a like a head of like jason from jason goes to hell now i am a big jason goes to hell apologist i think adam marcus did a great job i think one day we should have him on uh because to me it, it took the hidden you know the sci-fi movie the hidden as well as like um the first power so all that body jumping and out of all like the first nine Jason movies, the only one that I don't really like to watch is uh, Manhattan. But man, Jason Goes to Hell is great. Are you a fan? Yeah, it's definitely grown on me over the years. Um, I'm trying to remember, like I watched those movies in such a weird order the first time, like as a teenager, like I think I started with the X and like, then I watched the first one and then I think I watched nine. It's so, like at that point, <laughs> like i didn't really know or no it was i watched seven and then nine so i wasn't like fully like kind of understanding what the franchise was at that point so i remember just being confused initially but like watching it right rightfully so yeah but watching even if you watch them in order that can happen oh yeah it's a very (laughs) confusing franchise but having watched it all the way through a few times yeah nine I definitely have an appreciation for in how weird it is. And it does like, it's fitting because it has like the book and the knife in it, but it feels more like an evil dead style movie than a Friday the 13th movie. Well, he said the the director said that uh, he made Jason a deadite for the movie. Uh, I think he was trying to do. Yeah. Well, it's also like, is that the only one where Jason like makes noise too? Like in the opening, he's like grunting and stuff, and it's very weird. Like I'm used yeah. to him being totally silent, but he's getting shot and he's going like, ur, 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 and it just something about that is way more bothersome than anything else Jason has done in the whole franchise. But well, I love just what like, a weird movie it is. Just like you said, you know, once you get to the the night, you know, he probably looked at it the way you looked at Leprechaun. You're like, 
I got the ninth one. Let's do something cool. <laughs> yeah, probably. You know? yeah, well, at that point, yeah, it's like, how do we freshen this thing up? And that's when that's when people start getting desperate. And uh, yeah, going going to space and <laughs> doing all kinds of nonsense. So yeah, body hopping really isn't that big of a stretch. For a um, but yeah, I mean, there there was a couple of credits here that I I just wanted to shout out because I. I really liked the movie Girl House. Um, I thought that was really cool. It was like a slasher movie uh, that had the rapper Slain, who we love. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was. I did not I think... actually see the movie. I just uh, built some gags for it uh, over at Foreman Dynamics. Uh, it's another effect shop in Toronto. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'll trust your review of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, another like low budget, I believe, shot in Ottawa uh, movie. So. It's it, for me, it was just being a fan of the rapper Slain and watching him in this movie. Uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's terrible, I have no idea, <laughs> but like to me, just <laughs> me just loving him as a rapper and thinking, like, oh, I can't believe that he's in this movie. The same way that I watch Wrong Turn 4, like, I, I know that you, you did some work on that, and to me, like, the so Wrong Turn 1 was good, and it's just one of those movies that just kept cranking out sequels, but they were fucking fun as hell. Like I would yeah. watch them because they had great kills from like two yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, I liked two a lot. I thought that one yeah. was super fun. Uh, I haven't, like, I haven't seen three or five or six or the yeah. remake, but uh, they're up that high now. The six? Oh, no, they were up to like ah. seven. But uh, oh, yeah, God. I don't know that. Like that kind of project is my favorite thing, where it's like you just are doing like some numbered sequel in a in a franchise that like fox i remember one of the producers saying like we'll always make money on these because just the brand name brand value alone like you pay 2.4 million to make the movie and you're guaranteed to make like 10 million back so wow. they just crank them out but there was also like a weird kind of freedom to it because it was so low budget and schlocky so yeah it's like an effects artist's dream to do that kind of thing and just slap a bunch of stuff together and be like we have no money but we got a bunch of latex and some you know and you have the name and so that's funny because i would i would always wonder like as far as like the business side of it like yeah it's like you have this name and 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 it's going to make that return so then you could use that money into like whatever else that you want to put out so that's interesting um yeah so uh there was just like a couple of things else that um... actually i don't mean to cut you guys oh yeah but like in like three minutes i gotta hop on another thing uh that's fine yeah 100 yeah, percent, man i just had uh, i'll do one last question yeah. um if if you could remake a movie what would it be uh like a remake like like just totally from the ground up any movie yep <sighs> I don't want to remake something shitty. I feel like those are the remakes that need to happen. Is, you know, like misguided movies. Yeah. I guess this would tie into my answer. I usually give of like, what's like a franchise or property you'd want to make a movie out of, but I've always wanted to make a movie out of doom. And both of those movies were not good. So that would qualify as a remake, I think. Cause I would, I'd bring Carl Urban back and I'd bring the rock back uh, to remake the 2006 doom movie. Uh, okay. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah hopefully do it properly this time and have more have more monsters and guns and actual doom stuff uh and maybe not have a wrestling smackdown at the end just my <laughs> before yeah. we let you go real quick can you say uh the day of the dead tv series you're working on can you say anything about that uh, 
Uh, status I, I, I'm not allowed to say much of anything. I think we're supposed okay. to have some kind of panel soon about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I directed four episodes of it and it was super fun. And it's uh, got to, yeah, kind of do the leprechaun right. kind of thing where I just crammed as many effects into it as I could. So, uh, listen, so, you're, you're, you're the man. To that. You're the man. Thank you so much for doing it. Like, you didn't have to do it. You hit me yes. up. You said, let's do a longer episode. Thank you so much. We were a huge fan. So, that's it. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. It was fun talking. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Later, Thank you. Bye.